Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. You are listening to a sermon series through the Gospel of Mark, entitled, Who is this guy? Jesus. Mark chapter 5 and verses 21 through to 43 is actually two stories combined into one in what scholars technically call a Mark sandwich. It starts off with the first outer story, and then in the middle of the sandwich you have the second inner story, and then it concludes with the end of the first outer story. And these stories are intimately connected. They're both about a woman who is desperately ill. The one is 12 years old, the other has been suffering for 12 years. The one woman reaches out to touch Jesus, and in the other story, Jesus touches the woman. And essentially, both of these stories are about fear and faith. A desperate faith. A risky faith. Firstly, we're introduced to Jairus, and uh, we, we read in verse 22... Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Now, Jairus is a very important religious leader within his community. He's like the president of the board of elders at the synagogue. He's like the chairperson of the deacons. He's the person that is in charge of leading the worship every Sabbath. Very important religious leader. And as such, he would be aligning himself with the rabbis and the Pharisees. The very opposition to Jesus. The very people who had been saying, Who is this guy, Jesus, who thinks he can forgive sins? Who eats with sinners? Who doesn't fast like us? Who breaks the Sabbath law? who thinks he's above the law, who touches unclean people. They would be thinking that Jesus is a troublemaker, Jesus is a heretic, Jesus is a fake, a showman with tricks. He doesn't follow the proper religious channels. And they would be thinking they need to get themselves rid of Jesus, or at very least, to avoid Jesus at all costs. But then Everything changes. Disaster strikes. His 12-year-old daughter, who in that culture has just become old enough to get married, is suddenly extremely ill and is about to die. He's, he's desperate. He's, he's traumatized. This, his whole world is falling apart. He is helpless. There's nothing he can do. Her life is Washing away like sand through a sieve. I can only imagine what it must be like to be standing there with with Naomi lying there, dying. And I'm helpless to do anything. He's desperate. And all of a sudden, he hears that this controversial rabbi, Jesus, is back in town. It's been trending on Twitter ever since he got home. And he takes a risk. 
He, he decides to set aside all his previous uh, prejudices against Jesus, all his logical reasoning, all his theology against Jesus. He decides to set aside for a desperate hope that Jesus might be able to save his daughter. He takes a risk. He's willing to set aside his reputation and his dignity. He's, he's ready to humiliate himself as this religious leader falls at the feet in front of, in front of Jesus in public. Imagine all the whispering. What are people going to be saying behind his back at synagogue? What about his reputation? He doesn't care. He's desperate. And so he pleads with Jesus in verse 23. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. That's faith. True faith. Desperate faith. Verse 24 says Jesus went with him. Jesus responds to desperate faith. Perhaps you like Jairus in that you have a lot of logical objections or maybe even theological or philosophical objections to believing in Jesus. Believing in a God who loves you and who answers prayer. Yet even when we struggle to believe in prayer, we end up depending upon prayer when you're desperate. For when you're desperate, all of a sudden you're prepared to set aside your logic and your theological objections. You're able to set aside your reputation and your dignity. You're able not to care anymore what other people will think of you. And out of desperation, you reach out to Jesus in faith, hoping, it will save your daughter. It's risky. It's costly. But ultimately, it's rewarding. Are you prepared to take that risk and reach out to Jesus? We read in verse 24, So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. Everyone is dying to see what's going to happen, so they press in around Jesus. Verse 25, A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. For as long as Jairus' daughter had been alive, this woman had been suffering with chronic internal bleeding, which is most likely a continuous menstrual bleeding. She's suffering. And if that is not bad enough, within Jewish law, that condition meant she was unclean. She was ritually unclean. That means if she touches anything, it becomes unclean. And if anyone touches her, they become unclean. So as a result, everyone avoids her and she has to live in a virtual isolation. Twelve years of having no one touch you, have no one give you a hug. She wouldn't be able to get married because she's unclean. And if she is married, she wouldn't be able to experience any marital intimacy for 12 years, she's suffering. 
She's on the complete opposite end of the spectrum to Jairus, who is a religious leader in the synagogue. She is excluded from synagogue because she's unclean. Suffering is bad enough, but to suffer in isolation, to suffer in silence, is even worse. And even today, many people are suffering in silence because of the negative stigma attached to the condition. Be it the condition they have or or the condition that one of their loved ones has. Mental illnesses, depression. People suffer in silence because they're too ashamed to talk about it. Desperate. Verse 26, She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Desperate. No doctor is able to cure her. It's incurable. It's untreatable. And in desperation, she has tried everything. She has been to every doctor. She has tried every treatment, but nothing helps. It just gets worse and worse. And to make matters worse, she is now destitute. The NHS doesn't cover it. She's had to go private. She's had to sell everything she owes in order to pay the bills. And now she has nothing left. And no hope. Desperate. She too gets a Twitter feed. Jesus is back in town. And she takes a huge risk. She's ashamed of her condition. She feels unclean. She is terrified about going out into public. What will people say? Will they be angry with her? To see an unclean woman walking around in public, they might get touched. Terrified. In a culture where women would never go and speak to a man in public, what would Jesus think? In a culture that a woman would definitely not touch a man, especially if you were unclean. She takes a huge risk. And she shows great faith in believing. If if only I can sneak up behind Jesus and just touch his clothes, then maybe I will be healed. And, And no one would even have to know. And she touches Jesus' clothes, and immediately she's healed. That's faith. In desperation, reaching out to Jesus in fear and in hope. And the result is the power and the presence of God flows into your life. Verse 30, at once Jesus realized the power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Over here, the disciples show their great ability to fill silence with stupidity. Just when you get a prime opportunity to say nothing, that's when the disciples leap into action. Verse 31. You see the crowd against you, the disciples answered, and yet you asked, who touched me? Thanks, guys. I didn't know that. 
What would I do without your insights? And the disciples totally miss Jesus' questioning. The whole crowd hasn't got a clue. We're all pushing. You push it, I'm pushing. We all push it. You push. Having a clue. Jairus is hopping from foot to foot. We don't have time for this. My daughter's dying. Who cares who touched you? Nobody understands. But the woman knows exactly what Jesus means. Now this whole power thing coming out of Jesus' clothes seems a bit weird. I mean, to me it seems like a serious health and safety hazard. Jesus needs to get some serious insulation, like a rubber robe or something. That would stop this power outflow by outfit. And how does Jesus know that the power has gone out? Does he have a gauge and suddenly a needle goes into red? Whoa! What was that? Who touched me? I mean, is Jesus some walking, talking battery with full of magical power and energy that can be released by just touching him? Well, of course not. Jesus is meeting this woman on her own terms. She hoped that somehow by touching him, she would be healed. And it was her faith in Jesus that led to God sending His Holy Spirit into her life to bring healing. That's faith. Reaching out to Jesus in in a desperate hope and receiving God's power and Holy Spirit into your life. And Jesus probably knew who had touched him and why. He asked the question, who touched me, in order to give her an opportunity to own her actions and her faith, and so that he could establish a relationship with her. We read in verse 33, when the woman, knowing what had happened to her, Sorry, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Trembling with fear. What would the crowd say when suddenly they realized an unclean lady was out in public amongst them? Wouldn't Jesus be angry when he finds out that an unclean woman touched him? Wouldn't that make Jesus unclean? Would it? She's terrified. She takes a great risk and tells Jesus in public the whole truth. That's risky. That's faith. But it's that kind of risk, it's that kind of honesty 
That desperate faith that leads to complete healing, both physical and spiritual. Jesus says to her in verse 34, Daughter. That's an extremely affectionate title, daughter. Jesus doesn't look down at her, he doesn't shun her, but he shows incredible compassion for her. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. They must have been shocked. Not only has this woman been cured from an incurable disease, not only is she now able to be restored back into community and have her life back, but they also would have been shocked at what happened, or should I say what did not happen to Jesus. When she touched Jesus, Jesus should have become unclean. But the whole power flowing out of Jesus made it totally clear to everyone that Jesus has reversed the normal flow of things. Rather than her uncleanness flowing into Jesus, Jesus' cleanness and power has flown back into her and made her clean and healed her. Wow! Who is this guy, Jesus? who doesn't get contaminated, but rather brings cleansing and healing and wholeness. While this is happening, Jairus' worst nightmare becomes a reality and he suddenly gets the news that it's too late. His daughter is dead. There is no hope. He's devastated. He's traumatized. He's angry at Jesus for taking so long. He's angry at the crowd for slowing them up. He's angry at the woman for her interruption. He's devastated. He's lost all hope. Jesus turns around to him and says in verse 36, Don't be afraid. Don't give up. Just believe. Continue to have faith in me. This is not the end. Although Jairus is numb with grief, he must find, he most likely has found a spark of faith that enables him to walk back home with Jesus. Only Peter, James, and John followed Jesus back to the house, and when they arrive there, there's this huge commotion of mourners who are wailing and weeping and tearing their clothes and beating their chest, as was their custom. A way of letting everyone know that death has come to this house. Jesus walks into the house. And he says in verse 39, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. It was a figurative way of Jesus saying, I'm going to bring her back to life. And they laugh. 
They know she is dead, so they laugh at Jesus. And often when we are facing an impossible situation, a hopeless situation, a situation where we feel everything is lost, we too laugh at Jesus. But this doesn't faze Jesus. He just kicks them out. They're just getting in the way. And we read in verse 40, After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him. And he went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talathakum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. He took her by the hand. He touched the dead girl. He touched the corpse. In Jewish law, that would have made him unclean. Jesus doesn't have to touch her to heal her. Jesus heals on many occasions without touching the person. Sometimes he just says the word. He doesn't even go to the house. He just says the word and the person is healed. But over here, he touches her and calls her little girl. He shows incredible compassion and tenderness to this little girl. He is is like a daddy going in to wake up his little girl. Talathakum, talathakum. Little girl, get up. Wakey, 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 wakey. It's time to get up. And she gets up. He demonstrates incredible compassion and tenderness. But he also demonstrates incredible power. He's, rather than him becoming unclean, his cleanness and power flows back into her and gives her life. And we read in verse 42, Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. She is completely healed. He doesn't raise her back up to life, but she's still sick. She's completely healed. She's well enough to have something to eat. Incredible power to bring life and wholeness and healing. Everyone is amazed. Everyone, even the disciples are astonished. Who is this guy, Jesus, who rather than becoming contaminated, is able to bring cleansing and healing and wholeness? Who is this guy who demonstrates such profound compassion Who is this guy who brings new life? And within these stories, we discover that if we reach out to Jesus in that desperate faith and in truth, Jesus will respond with compassion. Jesus can handle our honesty. Jesus will call us daughter. Son. And Jesus will bring healing and cleansing to our life. He will bring forgiveness and restoration. He'll enter into a relationship with us. 
And Jesus will give us a sure and a certain hope of experiencing physical healing and new life, eternal life. Now this doesn't mean that we will always experience a physical healing here and now. Sometimes God does heal people today, but normally He doesn't. There are only three records of Jesus bringing a person who has just died back to life. Three in a three-year ministry. There must have been many people who had died, who had just died in that time period. But these stories are signs. These are signs of who Jesus really is and what he's come to do. Jesus is the Messiah, the Anointed One, God's chosen and appointed King who is turning this upside-down world the right way up. He has come to destroy all evil, all sin and all sickness and ultimately death itself. And He will do this ultimately through His own death and resurrection. So these stories are a sign of the new life and the healing we will experience ultimately if we put our faith in Jesus. These stories are pictures of the sure and certain hope we have for the future. But when we turn to Jesus, when we reach out to Jesus in faith, He will respond with compassion. He will enter into a relationship with us. He will give us His Holy Spirit. And we will experience a spiritual healing, forgiveness, restoration, and wholeness. What we also discover in these stories is that faith is risky. Jairus and this woman take huge risks. Who do you identify with in the story? Jairus, who has his logic and his theology and his reasoning that is preventing him from going to Jesus? Who has his reputation and his dignity that is preventing him from going to Jesus? What would people say if they find out he's a Christian? What's preventing you from going to Jesus? Your logic, your philosophy, your reputation? Or do you identify with the woman who is too ashamed and embarrassed to come to Jesus to tell Him the whole truth? Do you feel too ashamed and embarrassed to come clean with the whole truth because of the situation you're in or because of the situation of one of your loved ones? Is that preventing you from coming to Jesus? Both Jairus and this woman took a huge risk. Faith is risky. Faith is costly. But faith is ultimately rewarding and healing. Are you prepared to take 
the risk? Or do you identify with Jairus at the end of the story where suddenly he gets the news that his daughter is dead? All is lost. It's no more hope. Maybe you feel the situation is impossible. You might feel that there is no hope and you feel like giving up. Then hear the words of Jesus afresh. Don't be afraid. Don't give up. Just believe. Continue to have faith in Jesus for there is always hope with Jesus. So who do you identify with? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God of compassion, that your heart goes out to us, your heart goes out to those who are in desperate situations. Father, we thank you that you are like our daddy and we are like a a little child and you come to us tenderly with love and compassion. And Father, yet we confess that there's so much that prevents us from coming to you. Sometimes it's our own reasoning and theology. Sometimes it's our reputation, our fear of what other people would think if they knew that we came to you, that we were Christians. Sometimes we're just so embarrassed and ashamed because of of the issues we're facing or because of the issues of loved ones are facing that we're too embarrassed to come to you in truth. Father, we confess there are things that keep us from coming to you. Father, won't you give us that faith that Jairus had, that faith that this woman had, that took risks. And Father, sometimes we confess that we are in that desperate stage where life seems desperate, situations seem desperate. Father, I thank you that you come and you reach out to us, that you love us, that you bring healing. Father, help us to hear those words afresh. Do not be afraid. Do not give up. Have faith in Jesus. Amen.